Good morning. Uh, I hope everybody is well this morning. As you heard Ted say earlier, Craig uh, is away on vacation, a, a well-earned uh, vacation at that. And also, as Ted said, it, uh, with four kids, it's not always the most relaxing time. But, um, but I do uh, am blessed by the opportunity to come and present Scripture to you today. <clears throat> Uh, it'll be a fun, uh, our, our next 50, 60, 70 minutes will be a very fun time together uh, as we go through uh, this wonderful scripture that God has uh, given me to talk to you about. Um, and so uh, I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy preaching. Uh, it's been a while, um, but I am, over the years I was, uh, if you don't know my background, I was in student ministry for 14 and a half years. And so my main audience that I've uh, talked to over the years uh, are students. So if you uh, look down at your cell phone the whole time, uh, or if you just decide to run away uh, out the back doors to the bathroom in total drama, uh, I am used to that. So uh, if I see the top of your heads more than the front of your faces, um, I'm used to that. So uh, it's okay. Um, but uh, this will be fun uh, and looking forward to it. But let's pray. Um, Father God, I, I do thank you. Uh, for this opportunity to speak to the people of Ivy Creek, uh, my home, my family. Um, and so, Lord, I pray that you be with the words of my mouth. May they glorify you today. And we pray. Amen. Uh, today, I want to take the opportunity to not only we're going we're gonna to jump back with some uh, old school illustration, uh, but also to give you a little bit of the future of Ivy Creek, um, to give you a little bit of, of where I think uh, we should go uh, and where we are headed in our discipleship ministries because that is part of, of what I do, and we'll get to that uh, a little bit later in the service. But um, I don't know if you remember or not, uh, but back maybe in your growing up years or, uh, or even uh, a little bit later, uh, but an old school illustration to display or illustrate the church is, everybody put your hands together and do your hands like this. What's this? There's the church. There's the steeple. If you open the doors, there's the people. And you're like, oh, Dave, that's kind of silly. Uh, you're right, it is. But what does it show us about the church? If you open the doors, what is revealed inside? The people. And the people are going, the people inside the church are going to reflect what's going on in the church. And so, uh, and so, so if, if what's going on inside the church is the building up of Scripture and the proclamation of God's Word and discipleship is going on, then the people inside the church are going to be reflecting the love of Jesus Christ. And that is evident when you walk through the doors of that church. But there are some churches where that is not the priority, whether stated or unstated. Uh, and when you walk through the doors of the church, then you get a different reflection of Jesus. Um, and so, um, so as we look at that illustration, some of you may be sitting in here, and, and you, can, uh, you look here on a Sunday morning, and you can see that Will does an excellent job with the music, uh, does a great job with the music. And, and just a side note, uh, if, um, if, if what... The music that went on in here today uh, as part of our service is any, indi any indication of what's going to go on next Sunday night and our family worship night. 
you need to get here. Uh, it's going to be a fun, fun night uh, filled with spirit-filled worship. Uh, but you can also see that Craig stands up here every Sunday and proclaims the Word of God and does a beautiful job of it uh, and is his, his expository preaching. And even Ted, after traveling uh, to the uttermost parts of the United States uh, in a suburban with his family, I was just wondering on Facebook how many more pictures of Grand Canyon can there be? But... Um, <laughs> But even Ted stands up here on a weekly basis and tells you the announcements and, and prays for us all. Uh, you may be sitting there going, well, Dave, what exactly do you do? I know that we hired you a few months ago, but, uh, but what exactly goes on? I know you do the announcements when, when Ted's off gallivanting uh, around, around the nation, but uh, what exactly do you do? This is what I do. Discipleship is what I do. That is why Ivy Creek uh, agreed to bring me on uh, because we are looking at the discipleship ministries of the church. Like I said, the people inside the church reflect what's going on in the church. And that process is called discipleship. It's all of us becoming more like Jesus each and every day. Now, we'll never get there, obviously, but uh, we, can, we can do that process, and we be, can become fully devoted followers of Christ. And that's what I do here at Ivy Creek. And so I thought I would take a little bit of time or, or take our time today uh, and, and explain where we're going for our discipleship ministries, but also looking at God's word and, and looking to say, this is where we're headed. Um, as I was preparing uh, for my interview process and all of that stuff and doing some research about discipleship and, um, and what that means on an adult level, I've done it plenty on a student level. But here's what I wrote down. A disciple is one that comes to learn and be taught. A disciple listens with attention and intention. As they learn and grow in their faith, they will be able to listen and hear God's voice because they know the voice intimately, which causes obedience and gives the ability to live the Christian life in all of its fullness. As a disciple learns more about Jesus and his love, that disciple will want to serve Jesus more and walk in his ways and in his guidance. A church that is made up of this type of disciple will be unstoppable and unshakable. And that's what I want for Ivy Creek Baptist Church. And so I thought if we want to get there, then we need to go back to the beginning. Because in the beginning of the early church, we see a church that is unstoppable and unshakable. Because they have so many things coming at them, all of a sudden, uh, I think it, to go back to them and see what they do in order to become that unstoppable and unshakable church. And so if you'll open your Bibles uh, today to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 42. Um, a church that is unstoppable and unshakable will build us into the Christ-centered community that can reflect the love of Jesus and make his name known to the people around us. And we see a beautiful example of that in the, first, in the second chapter of Acts. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. What a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be like. And I think there are some things that we can see within this scripture that will help us be a church very much like this, that is unstoppable, that is unshakable, and that love each other unconditionally. Now to set the context of this, we, at this point in the scriptures, uh, we are at the the final part of chapter 2, and what has happened right before this, in verse 41, is that uh, the scriptures tell us that 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is right after Pentecost, right after the, the blessing of the Holy Spirit coming on to the disciples of Christ at that point. Uh, Peter gets up and does this sermon, and 3,000 people are added to their numbers. Now, just to give you a little clue, there was not a book at the time of how to take 3,000 people and divide them into groups so that they can be unstoppable and unshakable. Peter was not about penning a book and about to go on a book tour to explain how to preach one sermon and get 3,000 converts in one day. These guys didn't have a clue. They had no idea what was going on. They were just going with the way that God led. Just a few months prior to this, they had lost their best friend and mentor in Jesus Christ. But they got to see him again. They got to hang out with him a few more days. He rose from the dead and, and, did, and continued in his teaching. And I think at some point they thought back and they said, what do we do now? And they think back, wait, what's the last thing Jesus told us? Go and make disciples. And so that's what they did. They went out and they made disciples. They took all that God had brought to them and made disciples. And I think there are things that we can look at in these few verses out of the chapter of Acts that are examples to us and things that we can do today to do the same thing, to take this church and make disciples. And so, like the early church, I believe that there are three things that will happen as we become fully devoted followers of Christ. And whereas these things may not be happening right now, These are things that will happen as you uh, lean in and grow closer to God and learn more about Him. And the first thing that we will see is we will desire to be in the presence of God and to know Him more. If you look at verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. As they gathered together, They were seeking out Jesus. They were seeking out his teachings. They were seeking out something more. So many times in doing children's ministry and in doing student ministry, I saw students come forward to accept Jesus as their Savior. And I also saw on the faces of their parents a look of relief. And that's important. It's important to bring up your children and to teach them the faith and to reach that goal of 
becoming uh, a follower of Christ. But the look that I saw was something different. And it was one that once they came up to the front of the church and they were presented in front of the church and, and that they had become a follower of Christ, the parents reached this moment of, I'm done. It's over. We, we, we got to this point, and they saw it as a finish line. And the thing that is so very important to, the, to, the walk, uh, to our walk with Jesus is that's the starting line. That's where it all starts. That's where the process begins to, uh, to becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ. So that's the start. And I don't know if you've been watching it or not, but the Olympic trials have been on TV, uh, the track and field and the gymnastics and the um, swimming and things like that. What if these athletes who have trained their whole life to be in this moment at this time they cross the finish line and they are on the Olympic team. Wahoo! Everybody's cheering. Everybody's good. Yeah, it's going to Rio. And that was their finish line. They're like, Whew, I made the Olympic team. That's been my goal. Uh, I'm just going to go get the new track suit, get the cool stuff that you get from Polo USA or whatever, and, and we're just going to go out under armor. We're going to get all the, all the swag that comes with it. Uh, just going to enjoy Rio. It's here. It's a cool town. We've got to watch the mosquitoes. But, um, <laughs> but here it's a cool town. Don't go to certain parts. Security's bad. But we're going to enjoy the experience, enjoy the opening ceremonies. Whatever happens in my race is what happens. We're just going to go enjoy the experience. No! What do these athletes want? They want the gold. They want to win. And it brings back the words of Paul to run the race in order to not get disqualified. This is the starting line. It's not the finish line. And so that's what we do with our faith. Is we keep plugging in and training and becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ. We have to work on our own stuff. We have to continue the process of sanctification of God, pointing out those things that are in us that are bad and terrible and that we need to confess back to Him. The people in the first church, in the early church, they gathered together to continue to learn and know more about this great God who had come to save them. They wanted to know more and so should we. What if these 3,000 people sat there at Pentecost, got saved, got, got to know the love of Jesus Christ within them and stopped right there? There would be no Ivy Creek Baptist Church. There would be an Ivy Creek. Just not Baptist Church. But that would have been it. But no, they continued to lean in and plug into this great love that they had experienced at Pentecost. And they gathered with other believers to talk about that, to, uh, to eat together, to do life together. If you're not growing and learning as an individual, then it's gonna have, you're going to have a hard time growing and learning as a group. Which brings me up, speaking of groups, as a fully devoted follower of Christ, and wanting to know more about Jesus, you will desire 
to be in the presence of other believers and to grow your community. I really believe, and not, not specifically Ivy Creek, but the church as a whole, I think this is where we've dropped the ball. In fact, I'm going to read from an author in just a minute that, that the Southern Baptist Convention says this is where we have dropped the ball is in discipleship. And they've developed this task force and this author, um, Robbie Gallaty, that I'll uh, read in just a minute. Um, they put together this task force on discipleship because we see salvation just like those parents that, that I've seen over the years, we see salvation as the finish line and not the starting line. And so a person comes forward and they become a member of the church and we say, all right, come to our Sunday school class, have fun. And you've taken a baby Christian and put him in a, a, a Sunday school class that is offering meat to eat. Is offering the meat of the word of God to eat. Nobody's come alongside them and said, hey, do you understand what's going on? Hey, this, this verse means a lot to me. I want to, I, want to, I want to express to you what it means in my life. And the image that keeps coming up in my mind is if I took taken my uh, sweet, precious little Catherine when she was a week old and put a steak dinner in front of her and said, here, baby, have fun, enjoy. That would be ridiculous. If we took a little week old baby and just put solid food in front of them and, and expected them uh, to get nourishment off of that. No, with babies, they start out with milk and then move to soft foods and then a little bit harder foods and then finally table foods because we know that their body cannot process it and digest it like it's supposed to be digested and to get the nutrients off of that. Why do we do the same thing in the church? Or we just expect somebody to know what to do. And I think small groups are where that happens. I think small groups are, are where that discipleship can happen. But what has happened in a lot of our churches is that the preaching from the pulpit has become the discipleship arm of the church. Now, don't hear me say that I think preaching is wrong. Everybody put your phones away and texting Pastor Craig and just say, hey, Dave, I think preaching is terrible. No, I think there are times, and it's one of the pillars of our church, for the group of, of believers to come together and hear the exhortation of God's name through music, but also hear um, the exposition of God's word and the proclamation of his word to his people. There's teaching in that. There's belief in that. But discipleship happens in smaller groups, and we look no further than the example of Jesus Christ. And Robbie Gallaty in his book, um, he actually, in researching, um, emailed uh, a man by the name of Avery Willis, who was the creator of Master Life, uh, which was a discipleship program. Um, and Avery Willis said this, I really don't believe much discipling is done through preaching. Yes, you can impart information and emotion in preaching, but discipleship is more relational. It's more one-on-one. -on -one. Preaching to make disciples is like going to the nursery and spraying the crying babies with milk and saying that you just fed the kids. He went on to say, I am not against preaching. I do it all the time. But Jesus chose 12 and lived with them, explained to them, gave them assignments, debriefed them to shape and mold them to be like him. 
His sermons no doubt helped convey the truth, but he had to follow up most of it with what I call discipling. There is a place for preaching. As we gather as believers each and every week, uh, there's a place for that to, to disseminate information, to, to look into God's Word together as a group of believers and proclaim His truth. And Jesus did that. Jesus preached to the crowd, but He discipled in the community, in the community of the twelve. He took those twelve disciples and He gave them assignments to go do. And then they would come back and they would talk about it. God, Jesus, why can't we do this? Or what was wrong with this? What do we do when this happens? And Jesus discipled out of that. He debriefed that. He talked about it. They talked about it together as they walked and talked and, and built that community. And that is where we need to be as a church. And I must say, I would not be doing my job if I, as, as in charge of Sunday school and small groups and discipleship if I didn't say right now, if you're not involved in a small group, we have options at 8.30, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. Send me an email and I can point you to one that would be great for you. And we have more coming. In, in September, we're going to be launching uh, some new groups that will fit uh, some different categories and, and some different age groups and things like that. And so... Um, Discipling happens in the smaller groups. That's where discipleship happens. And I think we can even get smaller than our Sunday school class. And I think that's what takes place within the men's ministry and in the women's ministry where we gather to walk alongside each other and build that community. Because as we grow together in our faith on an individual level, that will add as we grow together in our faith on a community level. When we grow as individuals and we grow as, as a community, we come to our third point, where we will desire to make the name of God known and spread the gospel to others. It becomes a natural byproduct that people want to be a part of this community, that you want to go tell about this community, that you're excited about this community. And I believe... This is a huge strength of Ivy Creek Baptist Church. When you walk in the, the doors of this church, you feel a warmth from the people of this church. And I think it's because they're doing these things. People want to be a part of this community. That's why you've experienced this explosive growth in the last five to six years. Because people just love coming here. People love walking in the door and, and talking and smiling and laughing and being part of this community of believers. There is something contagious about a group like that. Because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but our community and our culture want to be a part of something bigger. They want to be a part of something, a part of a group. And so whether they're a part of that group to protest something or to cheer for their candidate, or to chase around stupid Pokemon characters with their phone. They want to be part of something bigger. They want to be part of a group. That's why Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are all, because people want to know that people share their opinions and share their, 
their ideas, uh, and they want to be part of the same voice. So as we come together as believers uh, and build that community, the, the natural outset is you just want to tell more people about that, but also people will be attracted to that. People want to be a part of that. And we can see that in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They didn't just stop with the 3,000. They kept adding people because they were so excited about what was going on. They were part of communities where, uh, as we've been talking about in 1 John, where they were loving each other. As true followers of Christ, they were loving each other. And people saw that and wanted to be a part of that. And people were ready to tell them about that. So as you have this deep desire and a hope that you can share with people, it leads to our sermon in a sentence today. Like the early church, we will become fully devoted followers of Christ by leaning into the presence of God, have authentic community, and share the great story of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. That's what we will see as we do that and lean into Christ as the early church did when they were first beginning. I don't know if you, hopefully you do, because as we talked about the first point, to, uh, to grow our faith is how we're going to grow anything else, to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. But if you need a devotional, Paul David Tripp, New Morning Mercies, uh, is, is one that I've used. Um, and in his devotional for July 12th, he painted a beautiful picture of this type of community, this type of Christ-centered community and what it needs to look like. Paul Tripp writes, When each part is working properly, the body of Christ grows to maturity in Christ, as we see in Ephesians 4. We need to live in intentionality, intentionally intrusive, Christ-centered, grace-driven, redemptive community. This community is meant to enlighten and protect. It is meant to motivate and encourage. It is meant to rescue and restore. It is meant to instill hope and courage. It is meant to confront and rebuke. It is meant to guide and protect. It is meant to give vision and sound warning. It is meant to to incarnate the love and grace of Jesus when you feel discouraged and alone. It is meant to be a visible representation of the grace of Jesus that is your hope. It is not a luxury. It is a spiritual necessity. And that is what a Christ-centered community looks like. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door. There's the people. And if we have this, we follow these things, if we, if we lean in and plug into Christ on an individual level and on a community level and then reaching out to our community, we will have an unstoppable and an unshakable church. Let's pray.